Ken's great-grandfather Pearson Leroy Fry and grandfather Paul Fry Sr. founded the P.L. Fry and Son Funeral Home in Manteca in 1932. That's where Ken has faithfully served as the fourth-generation funeral director and now is managing partner of the P.L. Fry and Son Funeral Home. Ken began working for his grandmother Lucille Fry part-time during high school. His part-time job turned full-time in 1986, where he later became the manager in 97 when Grandma Lucille retired. Ken has served thousands of families and always regarded the goodwill and reputation of P.L. Fry and Son Funeral Home as second to none. He is a California licensed funeral director, cemetery manager, and crematory manager. Ken has also served as past president of the Valley Load Funeral Directors Association. He's been married to his wife, Lynn, for over 37 years. Ken and Lynn are both East Union High School graduates and have lived in Manteca their entire lives. They've got two kids, Kara Teach and her husband, Jeff, and Kenny Summers. Welcome to the Man About Town podcast, Manteca, Ken Summers. Cue that music. Man About Town, Man About Town, Man About Town, Man About Town, Man About Town. Welcome to the podcast. Tell everybody who you are. Ken Summers from Manteca. Uh, I've lived here since basically I was born in Tracy, California. I'm the managing partner for P.L. Fry and Son Funeral Home. My great-grandfather was P.L. Fry and Son, and the son was my grandfather, was Paul Fry. And he passed away in the early 70s, and then I, I went to work for my grandma in 1986, I think, full-time. I always helped her out part-time, but... So I'm basically a fourth generation um, funeral director, and time flies, but it's just been a, a wonderful experience to, to work with families that I've born and raised with. It's something that I used to be the young grandson around there and, and didn't have all this white hair. Of course, if you look at all, like my grandpa Fry, and you look at most of my sister Kendra, I mean, we're all, my mom now has gray hair. I mean, we, we're all destined, but we got gray pretty young, and the old joke I always tell, I'm just glad it's still in my head, but I'm um, very proud because, you know, I, I, I just take it as a huge compliment. A lot of people are saying, you're looking more and more like your grandpa every day, oh, which good. Which I think my grandpa was the son in the P.L. Fryan son and, and uh, never had the opportunity to work with him. I wish I would have had that opportunity to work with my grandma for years. Uh, but, you know, people will say you're looking more like him or your, your, your mannerisms and so on. I've just been told by so many people what a quality guy he was i take it as a huge compliment yeah this is ken's mom oh. sandra hey, Sandy. was fry then summers then costa uh, and uh. now gilbo uh. i've been very fortunate in my life i was 18 when i had ken he was born may 10th 1959 on mother's day and i tell him he will always always be my very best mother's day present because my husband at the time ken had to run down and buy me a mother's day present and he always kidded me by saying you'll do anything to get a mother's day present i said well you can't do more than have a baby well true thing hard to come up with a baby you know every year my mom is has been amazing she's always been so strong you couldn't find a more compassionate nice person but she was disciplined and disciplined us so even though we were all three kind of teenage years um she made sure that we, she kept an eye on us, and uh, and I think we all kind of bonded even closer. Uh, not that we wanted that to happen, but I think we were 
scared little chickens at home there that kind of uh, grew stronger. She's been an amazing mom. I'm thankful I have her. But the Mother's Day, every time it comes around, obviously, it's always kind of, if it's, if it, especially if it lands on Mother's Day and that type of thing. But I've always been very proud of that. What was the day, uh, Sandra, that uh, you had Ken like? The date was May 10th. It was on a Sunday. The weather was beautiful. My husband, Ken, and his brother, Clyde Summers. Clyde was going back to Oklahoma, Seminole, Oklahoma, for Mother's Day to see his mother. And because they wanted me to have the baby so he could be the first to tell, I was five days overdue. (laughs) So my husband, Ken, and Clyde took me out on Center Street because we lived in a little house on Center Street and walked me up and down the road, sure that I would have the baby before Clyde left, but I didn't. I remember my uncle Clyde too, you know, and he passed away when I was, I think, five years old. And I do have memory of him. Oklahoma is a big part of our lives. My dad was born there. They were really raised in Manteca, but I have a lot of relatives on the summer side that are still in Oklahoma. Most of them cousins, most of my aunts and uncles are gone, but we've always uh, had Oklahoma in our hearts. That's Obviously, the way Oklahoma does the news, they can have the internet, but it's they, they always want to be the first to tell a story. Kenny's dad, uh, his name was Ken, too, Ken Summers. He went to Manteca High. He's the only boy I ever went with all through high school. And then two years after high school is when we got married, and... His dad was my whole world. He was everything because that's the only boy I'd been with, the only one I knew. So he went down uh, to the Manteca High basketball court on February 26, 1975 with a group of his friends to play basketball kissed me goodbye, ate dinner, and I got a call an hour later that I needed to come to Manteca Hospital that Kenny had gotten sick. Well, something intuitionally told me there was more to it than that. So when I got to the hospital, Kenny had dropped dead on the basketball court playing basketball. He had just turned 37. Kenny's family, men, did have a history of heart disease, but never in a million years would we ever guess he would die at age 37. Kenny, my son, was 15 and a half. My daughter, Kendra, was 14, and my daughter, Cheryl, was 12 and a half. You sent a bio over to me, and you put, you had a grandpa die the same way of a sudden heart attack. Yeah, and that was on the front. That's P.L. Fry. That was my great-grandfather. Yeah, obviously, I wasn't born until 1959, Aaron, but uh, he passed away in 1951. Back in those days, when Manting was small, you know, the whole town probably know, but most people came to a funeral, and there was a funeral for a young boy that had unfortunately died in a fire, so there was a huge service. My grandma Fry would be the one telling me the story, just said it was really hot that day. My grandpa had pulled out in procession, and he just kind of looked over, and he just saw my great-grandfather, P.L. Fry, just collapse right there in the road. So he just, my grandma says, he just calmly put the car in park and went and scooped him up. Walked in. It's like our lobby now. All the lobbies of funerals always have a couch. You know, there's my, my grandpa put him on the couch, told my grandma, called the doctor. It was no Manteca Hospital in 1951. So called the doctor. You know, I'm leaving on this procession, whatever. And, and dad, something happened. You know, he passed out or something. Goes on the service, comes back. He's still on the couch. My grandma said he 
he passed. The doctor came and pronounced he thinks he died of a massive Incredible. heart attack. My grandpa scoops him up again, takes him to the back where the embalming room is and embalms his own father and prepares him for the funeral. So I sometimes people will ask, you know, I'll be at different seminars. Where, you know, what's kind of an interesting fact? And, and uh, they're kind of amazed that my grandpa could embalm his own dad. But when you work in this industry, there's, there's no better way to take care of your loved one is to, above and beyond. I have helped with my grandma Fry when she passed to kind of do the, the final analysis. I am not a licensed embalmer. I actually don't do embalmings, but uh, I am in perfection mode. I am in helping the family mode. But when it comes to my family, once the service starts and I sit down with the family, then I'm back to being the grandson. I'm back to being the nephew. I'm back to, I, I just. Taking care of I'm, families I, like Lucille did. Exactly. Tell me about some past jobs, Andrew, that uh, Ken's had. Right after his dad died, he uh, worked at Alpha Beta. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's the name of it because it's been a long time ago. He did work. It was a big cannery in Stockton. He worked there. I don't think it was Tilly Lewis. I think it was one of the other canneries. And he worked as an insurance salesman for, I think it was New York Life. I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure it was. Then he started working, you know, at the mortuary being trained there too, under my mom who did a wonderful job of, you know, showing him the ropes. But when you're raised in it, just like I was, and it's part of your life, being groomed by my mom, I'm a perfectionist too. So he's kind of doesn't have a choice. He's been raised in that. So I look for a piece of dust. You know, I live in the country too. My house does not look like this. And we're doing a little remodeling. So my wife said, Oh, make sure you tell Aaron that we're doing oh, some remodeling. Because yeah. Aaron that really yeah. cares. <laughs> Were you trying not to be in the family business? I was just wanted to help my grandma out. If anybody knew my grandma, she was always pretty frugal with money and so on. So you were never going to make a ton of money working for my grandma. But it was more about the compassion because my, my grandpa Fry, now we talked about Pale Fry, my grandpa died in 1972 from the new funeral home on Union Road was only open a year. And he went in for his physical because they were going to get some life insurance and so on to kind of protect, you know, because here's my grandpa, he's in his 50s and didn't have a stitch of life insurance. My grandma was very public and honest about that. That's why I feel like I could talk about it. And she said that she finally talked to him to get some life insurance. You'd think he would, you know, be all people seeing death every day, like, hey, I really need life insurance. So, you know, there's some people out there where I sold insurance a little bit. Like, if you buy the life insurance, I'm probably going to die now, you know, since I bought the insurance. The but whole karma. It's a karma thing. Unfortunately, he went in to do his, you know, they'd have you do a physical for your life insurance. And he went in and did blood tests. So on. they said, ah, you got a little spot on your lung. You know, we'll check it out. It's probably valley fever. According to my grandma, my grandpa really never smoked. I mean, maybe a, a cigarette when he was a kid or something. But nobody really thought much of it. I was younger. I I just remember my mom, you know, crying, saying that they found out he had terminal lung cancer. And then he was gone six months later after this brand new funeral home had opened. Wow. And back in that day, and that's a whole different story, but back in that day, there just weren't any women running funeral homes. I just look back at my grandma from that point of struggling to, to meet the bills and so on. And, you know, things from the outside sometimes look like, oh, gosh, they got it made. They got a business and so on. But people that really knew my grandma knew how hard she was working behind the scenes, getting there in the morning, leaving at midnight, literally doing the books. She was doing all the cosmetics. I mean, so when he passed, she now did both. And I, again, the longer I'm in the business, the older I get, the more I understand where she comes from. Every day that I go to work, 
I, I, I don't do it really for uh, notoriety of myself and so on, but I want to honor my grandparents and my great-grandfather that I, that I didn't know, but particularly my grandparents with doing everything possible. I'm not saying I can hold a candle to anything that, you know, particularly my grandma did, but I want to try to honor her by doing things the right way. When he, we lived on Center Street and he was supposed to be taking his nap which I had three children and we only had two bedrooms. So the two girls got one bedroom and then he was on my bed, which I had one of the nice cut um, white bedspreads that had the uppers and the lower flat part. So it was awful quiet in there. I opened the door and peeked in. He had got my lipstick and he was coloring in all the flat spots of the bedspread. (laughs) So needless to say, that didn't go over with me too well. Because it was a very expensive bedspread. You know what? You're going to get your little bottom spanked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she used the opposite end of a fly swatter. My mom's one of the sweetest ladies, but I always tell them, I, I got plenty of fly swatter spankings back in those days. I'm sure I deserved every one. I never got a, I never got a spanking I didn't deserve. Exactly. But never. Exactly. My mom signed the sheet that St. Anthony. I went to St. Anthony's. Right. So my mom signs the sheet that says, if he acts up, you go ahead, bust his ass. <laughs> well, who would have thought that they would they spank me every day? I got it every <laughs> single day. My butt is like, you know, it's got it's got a course uh, from all those years ago getting those. But I always deserved it. Yeah, absolutely, I always okay. deserved it. Never without. Yeah. Continue, Sandy. He was always doing little tricks Uh-oh. to his sisters, like one time pouring garlic salt in one of their hair, trying to <laughs> get her out in the backyard to climb over the fence, but she didn't, luckily. She knew you better, I guess. Evidently, yes. Uh, there was. She tells a story, too, that after she had uh, me... The next two, she prayed every time, like, not another boy. Not another, I can't, My mom I said can't. she was going to leave a girl in, in the area. If she had a girl, she was going to leave it there. She's lucky, you're lucky your boy. I was going to leave you in the hospital. Right. But that's not the only thing. Garlic, salt, color crayons. Could, there be some, could you outdo yourself? At two and a half years old, Kenny crawled over our six-foot fence, uh-huh. walked down to Pete's Market really? on Yosemite across from the Foster Freeze. Walked in, got a piece of uh, a sucker, I think it was, I don't think it was bubblegum, a piece, a sucker, and a bread man that was delivering bread in there said, oh, where's your mommy at? And he said, down there, he had walked all the way up Walnut down to Peace Market, and I was so worried I couldn't find him. So I went to the corner of Walnut and looked down, and I saw this man carrying this little boy and the man handed him to me and I mean we had this huge backyard and I probably at the kitchen sink which looked right out into the backyard which isn't very far going up walnut you know when you go the back way right. oh yeah but I probably one of my other my daughters who were babies yeah. probably needed me and I left for like five minutes but oh my <laughs> gosh that was the scariest thing in my whole life <laughs> the car lots across from Foster Free. So you must have known 
that route, huh? Well, no, because my dad actually started with, back in the day, he worked for Morris Automotive, and then he oh. graduated a lot of guys. He went to work for Jerry Knapp at uh, Mantega okay, Ford. Yep. And so uh, that was the downtown, right where the old funeral home was, right next door. So he opened the car lot there, I want to say, in 1965. So I was five or six years old. I, I have memory, which I'm so thankful you know, people say, you know, how did you get through your dad passing and so on? And I'm just so thankful I have memory that goes back pretty far. And I was 15. I I could have been two and lost my dad and never known my dad. Sure. You know, uh, it, it's it's a great example. You, it, you you want them back so bad, but you know, it's not reality. But I'm glad I have memory as long, long as I live. You lost dad. Another man came into your life. My name is Jose Barron, a retired band director from East Union High School since the year 2000. He's the best. How'd you meet Ken, Jose? I first met Ken in 1973 when he entered East Union as a freshman and played trumpet in the band. He was very self-assured and he got along very well with other students. After graduating from high school with the class of 1977, he, in 1980, reunited members of the jazz band to perform at the San Joaquin County Fair. He also convinced the band to play for his mother's 40th birthday. During this time of his life, his father passed away suddenly. At first, Ken expressed his sadness through very uncharacteristic traits, like not wanting to come to school. And at one point, he went to his counselor and he signed out of band and the jazz band as well. I quickly went to see his counselor and withdrew his request. <laughs> With some patience and diligence, I convinced him that band was a vehicle for him to take at this period of his life that would make his life more bearable. During this time, he developed a big interest in Maynard Ferguson. Ken's trumpet skills improved immensely as he practiced hard to emulate his now new musical idol. In the jazz band, we played numerous jazz tunes which required high notes not commonly played in or found in high school literature, but through his hard practice, Ken could play those high notes above the staff with accuracy and clarity. The high notes above the Where's the trumpet at right now? I'm it's in my closet because he wrote in my yearbook, no matter what, don't you ever, 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 I don't know how many ever's he wrote, but he put, don't you ever, ever sell your horn. It'll be the biggest mistake in your life. You going to play it for me? No, sir. I, uh, uh, little I, Angioni, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, that was pretty calm. We liked the, the real. I remember Maynard Ferguson. I know kind of stuff. Me, Billy Poindexter, Ron Brashears. And I mean, we had a great group of guys and I, Thank God, Mr. Barron, because I think after my dad passed, there was just a time where I, I kind of felt like I'm the man. That, nobody's going to tell me anything. Uh, my dad's not around to discipline me. I'm just going to do what I want. And I were you like that before? No, not at all. Were you mad? Yeah, I was angry. Uh, and and thank God, Mr. Barron, I always was close with him. But that's really when I first saw his above and beyond and it wasn't just me I, I think we've always been special to each other but he there's a lot of kids that would tell you the same story how he took them under his wing and and helped them through life he didn't just say hey what's going on i mean he wanted to know what was going on and how you doing and thank god i had music because music is such an emotional uh 
positive experience and when i i went all in i went all in and what it did it just helped me get through the quiet times the dark times i mean there were uh, times that i i think he probably i don't want to be over dramatic probably saved my life in a lot of ways because i i probably was not going to go down the right road after that tell me something else jose another personal memory of ken occurred in 1997 when he single-handedly organized the 1977 jazz band to perform at the annual July 4th entertainment celebration here in Manteca. This was 20 years later after the kids had graduated from high school. These 20 students or so were very capable in playing their instruments at a respectable level. Another moment to remember occurred about five years ago when he organized a reunion of the same jazz band students at a local dining restaurant. I was also invited and I was able to see many of students I hadn't seen in many, many, many years. What was it like doing that, getting the gang back together? Let's get the gang back together. Yeah, and you know how, you can only imagine how difficult it is. People moved everywhere, we're all grandpas and grandmas and and things now but the it might have sold your horn they might have sold their <laughs> instruments uh, they might some have did horn. some did and some were even looking to buy they were like hey let's get back but you know lives you know it's it's we're all so busy we have priorities i mean we all again have grandkids that we you know it, it's it's finding the the timing to do it but we have a core group and uh i was never afraid to ask you know hey let's get together there's there's just a closeness with band geeks, the camaraderie, sure. and the the blood, sweat, and tears, and and, and again above all, we had Mr. Barron as our leader, and I think that really, because I have a good friend, he got married in his junior year in high school. I mean, he took him under his wing. I mean, there's just different scenarios that you know I could go on and on, but um, above all, we just had a great time whenever we got together. Throughout the years, I've become his substitute father as he never fails to call or text me during the holidays and just about any time he gets the urge. A highlight of our relationship occurred in the year 2018 when I and my wife were invited to his induction into the Manteca Hall of Fame, which in 1999, I was also occurred the same honor. To summarize, I consider Ken Summers to be very extremely friendly and competent as he conducts business at the family enterprise known as P.L. Fry and Son. The only time I've seen him perform his duties is occasionally when I have personal friends or family who use his service when I attend their funerals. We've remained close all these years. You know, there could be times that you know, we're, we were both busy. You know, Joe still plays in a mariachi band. He's getting ready to go back out, you know, in the field. He still loves to play uh, his horn. But um, that's never left either one of us. And, again, uh, I think we we both enjoy spending time together, talking about the good old days and that type of thing. But, again, it's not just me. I think him and I, because of my circumstances, just got very close. And, and uh, I, I just have to say, and, and – uh, it's not that Joe's that much older. Right? You know, you look back, you think when you're in high school, these guys are Wait, just, ten years. Yeah, there's really yeah. Right. Well, Joe Joe's the same uh, has the same birthday as my mom, the exact same, and and, and he, yeah, exactly. Isn't that something? And he literally called my mom for years and still does on her birthday to tell her happy birthday. I mean, he always remembers that, so it's always kind of a joke. But uh, no, he he really showed a lot of us and and again i i just learned at a young age to 
one thing I did right was listen to people that have kind of walked that path before me. Some people don't like to listen to that stuff. No, I, I have had older friends for years. I can go back when I, because I, I worked at Dana Corporation. I, I don't, if I put that down, you know, I worked there for eight years. You didn't put it down any of those scam <laughs> jobs that you had prior to being the big cheese over there at the PL Fry. I, I learned so much working for Dana, and and actually the job seven, the three thirty Monday through Friday, time in, time out. Yeah, I mean, just you know, low responsibility, so to speak, but really enjoyed. It. I did customer service there again. I've always had the knack to talk and relate to people and so on. So leaving there, my grandma kept. Pulling on me and pulling on me and saying, you got to come work for that. I really need some help. You, you know, you've been around here. You, you need to do this. So she offered me, I'll never forget, $200 more a month. And at the time, I'm thinking, you know, I was newly married and everything. I thought, oh, my gosh, $200 more a month. That's just going to be awesome. But it may have been in the small print, but she didn't tell me that I had to work 60, 80-hour weeks. I remember when I first started working there, you know, I just wasn't work. I'd leave at 6 o'clock, 6.30, and thought, wow, I put in a day, you know, got there at 8 o'clock or so, and she'd go, oh, you're leaving early, honey, this tonight? I'm like, Grandma, I got a wife, and you understand really, really early that it's it's a commitment that you make, and, and you're honored to serve families. You jump all in, or you don't do it. Would you change anything? I really wouldn't. You know, it's you know, people out there that I know work with family know how difficult it can be. It can be challenging. Sure. Uh, I, I, I did leave for a while, sold insurance for a while, and, and I just missed it so much. I'm glad that my grandma and I could kind of reconcile. I mean, we always got along and went back to being her grandson, and, and that was the greatest thing. But it was, uh, you know, working there part-time, much like I think my son has done, you learn a different side. You know, you learn, I think people driving by think, oh my gosh, what a depressing business. Oh my gosh, working with dead bodies all day. And really nothing could be further from the truth because we get so inspired by a lot of these families and the positiveness that comes from them. I mean, there's challenging families and situations and you kind of let it uh, resonate a little bit of really what we do. You know, I'm on an airplane, people, you know, obviously, what do you do? What do you, do? you know, when, as soon as I tell them funeral home, they're like, really? You work at a funeral. Oh, gosh. I mean, like, and I've had people tell me, you don't act like a funeral director. And I'll just smile and I'll say. What's a funeral director? Yeah, we're supposed to act. Exactly. But uh, no, I think, you know, seeing the behind the scenes of my grandma, seeing what we work with the living 90%. We're really there to care. The dead don't come in and book. Right. Exactly. We take care of the living. Obviously, we treat the deceased with uh, dignity and respect, and we do everything possible, and that's why that family's there. But we're really there for the living family, and there's so many life lessons to learn from the death business. I've learned so many how to be a better father, how to be a better husband. I've listened to how many thousands of eulogies, Aaron, you know, so I've listened to what's important for these people to say about a person after they pass. And it's not like, I, you know, my dad gave me this cool stingray when oh. I was nine years old. It's about the quality of time. We went camping. We went fishing, on and on and on. It's the quality of time that you have with your family. All of that moving around, screwed around and got married. Hi, I'm Lynn, oh. Kenny's wife. Hey, Lynn. We have two amazing children, <laughs> yeah. a wonderful son-in-law, and are blessed with two beautiful grandsons. Kenny and I met through a mutual friend 
And when she told me he wanted to ask me out, I said, you've got to be kidding. I'm only 18 and he's a 23 year old man. That was 37 years ago and the rest is history. Oh, come on. There's nothing wrong with you looking for a young mm. gal. Come on. It's probably my immaturity. That's the reason I was looking for people. What's young, the age younger? difference? Five years. I think just about five years, but um, I would. Yeah, high five. Yeah. Thank you, kid. Thank you. That's how I tell her now. I say, are you ever sorry? I'm fi- I mean, people probably think, oh, look at that young lady helping her dad out of the car or something. And of course, she's always like, they don't think that. Were you so married on, before but, the racquetball club? Uh, yes, just got married. Just I got, got married. married in 84. And I worked at the racquetball club maybe up to that year, you know, again, part-time, a couple days a week after. I mentioned the racquetball club because uh, Grandma owned the racquetball club? Yep. Yes. So. At one time, she was in with some investors. They all kind of got out at one time. I remember seeing you down there I as a young a guy. Down there. I'm sorry. I yeah, apologize. You're I so didn't f- have my way then. <laughs> you were always, uh, you know, doing some funny things. Yeah, and uh, But you, you always had this personality that just made me laugh. And, and uh, I just want to say, not because you're sitting here, but I've always been proud that you did something with your life that you knew young what you wanted yeah. to do. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. And that's why I didn't know maybe I wanted to do this, but I can't imagine doing anything else. And I can't imagine you doing anything else. Well, and I, when you, when I asked you, you say, look, I don't talk to anybody, but I'll talk to you. I thought, well, that's, that's nice. And I've worked real hard to gather a certain amount of respect in whatever Absolutely. I do. It's not a respectful business, but uh, yes, from, from the beginning of, uh, I was eight or nine years old, and yeah. you know Eric Reese on the podcast. will, will let you know that uh, I was in my bedroom doing this a long time ago. Yeah, no, I, it was interesting. Um, it's nothing new. This kind of stuff isn't new. You learn stuff when you're when you go along in radio. Um, yeah. yeah. So thank you. Kenny is a loving husband, father, and grandpa. Not to mention funny. He leads by example and takes pride in his family, which is truly a blessing. He is a hardworking, dedicated man who is very loyal not only to his family, but also to his community. He holds himself to a very high standard and has a level of integrity beyond measure. I have to say, we have a lot of personal memories together through the years. Some of the sweetest memories have been watching Kenny become a dad and then a grandpa. Those experiences are some of my most treasured memories. What's he afraid of? I would say as far as Kenny having a fear, it would have to be the well-being of our children and grandchildren. I think anybody is. Yeah, that's, you know, things that you can't control. I mean, and again, my wife is being a sweetheart. She knows that I'm a control person. Again, that's something I was born with. But you feel like you can take on the world, have the world on your shoulders, but there's things out there that you cannot control and your, your kids and your wife and family. And I have, you know, sisters, nieces, nephews, I mean, we have a huge family and I do care about them. And also I would say another fear would be um, letting people down. I think that's something that I've always, that's why I'm so picky on doing things because I, I want it to be as positive as experience as I can. And this is the way my staff is too. This isn't just me, but afraid of missing you know didn't cross the t or dot an i on something you know an obituary or something letting a family now because most of these families they're like my own family what's true about ken lynn it takes a special individual to be in the funeral business 
And I have to say my husband is the perfect person for the job. He is compassionate, caring, and acknowledges every person or family that walks through the door. Whether it be a grieving family or a simple question, he will take care of you and give you his undivided attention and do the very best to guide a family during such a difficult time. Did you have to learn that? Yes. Being calm and standing there. And- you could probably see by the you know, tears in my eyes, I'm an emotional person and people may think, emotional person working at a funeral home, how do you how do you do that? Well, but it's I, I just have always been uh, reacted emotionally. And when I look back at some of the mistakes I've made in my life, it's pure emotion. And I, I, that I think, Oh my gosh, but I've learned hopefully from my mistakes and I have a long ways to go. I've tried to turn it in a positive way. And I, I really, you know, want those families to know that we truly care about them. Anything you'd like to say to Kenny Lynn? Kenny knows how proud the kids and I are of him in all that he does, he has so much wisdom and great qualities that we admire and hold close to our heart. We love you, Kenny. Pick the right gal. Boy, yeah. You know, she always teases me that, you know, dated a lot of people and so on and dated, you know, some really nice girls, but there was just the, the ones I met, Lynn was like, it was so obvious that this was the one. She's, you know, so selfless on everything that she does. I've learned so much about being more loving and patient and compassionate. You know, I still struggle with that, turning the switch off and on from coming home from work to relaxing. Who's up next? Hi there, I'm Kara Teach. My maiden name was Summers. So I'm Ken's daughter. What kind of guy is Ken Summers? I would say he is very moral and ethical. Everybody says that. You know, just a blessing to have a family around me, have enough butt whippings, as my mom said. And even when my dad was alive, you know, he was very disciplined. I mean, we had fun as a family. We went, you know, I had horses back in the day, went to a lot of horse shows and so on. But I I've just have always wanted to try to do the right thing. I don't always do the right thing. I just never hated to ever let anybody down. And that was even when I was younger. My dad has always been very consistent in what he believes in and what he believes in is doing the right thing. So we have known that from little circumstances and instances to now as adults, that's still being the case. I also think of someone who's very loving. We never had to ask, can this person or this person or this person, you know, come over to our house? Both of my parents are warm and welcoming and always welcomed any of our friends or anyone into our home. Why is that? In trust in your children, you know, trust that, that they make the right decisions. The times I would get involved with Kara would be probably more of the realm of a boy calling that I didn't think <laughs> maybe should be asking her out or that type of thing. That's I think she could she'd probably tell you that. That and you got a son too. Hi, my name is Kenny Summers, and I work at Peel Fry and Son. Ken Summers is my dad. Yep, got you a son. Yeah, I mean to have you know one of each. Uh, we did a lot of things together. Kara was was a pretty accomplished softball pitcher, and we played high comp teams. And Kenny would always go along, and he's always had just a great attitude about everything. He would find other the boys on some of the other teams, and they would play, never, ever complain one time. As Kenny got older, then I got more involved. He played basketball, and he did his own thing. So then I was able to... How did you adjust 
to doing all of that stuff with your kids and then not being needed as much and not be having those games to go. Empty nest is a very, very difficult thing. Yeah. Pretty dramatic. Your, your kids are your life. And, you know, when Kara was playing sports, whatever sport, I mean, it's whatever they wanted to choose, you know, and she played a lot of different ones. Kenny did too. But once they graduate from high school and pretty much done with sports and that type of thing, you do kind of think, wow, what, what do we do now on the weekends? We're not traveling out of town on a, right. you know, a tournament or something. And, and That's the definition. So Lynn and I, one thing we've always supported, like a lot of my employees, uh, oh, go watch kids. The kids today. Yeah. yeah, Pop Warner, played in high school, sponsored their Grandkids team. Grandkids aren't old enough yet. Though. Grandkids, are, they're getting close. Oh, you're close. So you're yeah, almost we, we can't wait. <laughs> yeah, you beam when I talk about those things. Yeah. And it was just, again, finding balance. I think back um, with running the business and knowing a lot of the people that, again, I didn't want to let them down. I felt like I, I needed to be there, even though I have a great staff, that these are people that I would go to their services, even if I didn't work at the funeral home. And I, I was always scared that I was going to be gone on a tournament or that mm-hmm. Kara would have this game. And I look back, uh, I mean, their parent-teacher conference, I, I have never missed either one of theirs through the years, how I was able to do that. I don't know as busy as I am. And I just made the time and same thing with their sports. You know, I help coach and do this type of thing. Enjoyed it immensely. It was great therapy for me, you know, uh, to kind of wind down a little bit, but I look back and think how in the world was I able to do all that? But uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Ask your son for a great personal memory. A couple of great personal memories I have with my dad are going to NASCAR races as a child every year for around 10 years. And as I got older, to many Sacramento Kings games. Go Kings. <laughs> NASCAR? Yeah. Are you a car guy? I mean, that's a, you've got to sit in the sun and watch that all day long. You got to have some kind well, of. Well, a, a car got you. Know, my dad had, can sometimes use cars, and I've always been into cars and taking care of cars. No, I'm not mechanical whatsoever. I know how to put the gas in. I mean, I know some things. Used to do tune ups and things, but uh, the, the NASCAR racing really was my son got nascar 2000 i think it was the video game and he started playing of course i dad come in here you know you be the driver and we really get involved in it and i could just tell that he would just light up and and uh, once you see that you right. know what's gonna happen so i said to him you know one of these days would you like to go to a big race like that because he knew all the drivers it's amazing these kids what stick we knew some people uh some relatives that lived in phoenix so there was a nascar race coming up in phoenix and, and like he said we went 10 straight years till he graduated we went to bristol tennessee and that was kind of the highlight we used to get the, the double headphones so we can hear the drivers and okay. things i mean that was our thing, I was not brought up uh, to be a camper or a fisherman and that type of thing, which I know that's kind of unusual because I hear wonderful stories from kids, again, <laughs> eulogies. And so like, oh, my dad, you know, he used to take me fishing. My dad, we, we'd go camping. I mean, those are some of the bigger things. But I have to say he's right. I mean, for him and I as a father-son, it was always NASCAR and the Sacramento Kings. We went to a lot of Sacramento Kings games together and still watch them to this day. Kenny, what's he afraid of? If I had to say that Kenny's afraid of one thing guess I would have to say that it would be him never being able to eat dessert again. Oh, <laughs> you're pretty trim and felt. I have to watch what I eat, you know, again, the family history, the heart and so on. And, you know, I, I had a stent three years ago that kind of wakes you up real quick. And so, yeah, I've kept my weight down, tried to exercise a little bit more, but it's 
pretty t- I'll, I'll go without eating it as big a dinner just so I can have a little dessert in the night. Ken's work ethic is second to none, honestly. He pays very close attention to detail and strives for perfection. I try to model my work ethic after Ken because I know how hard you work can greatly affect where you get in life, and I have seen that firsthand with my dad. Another thing? One other thing that I could add about my dad is that he loves to joke with people and prank people, whether that's my family or at work, too, when given the opportunity. You can't prank at the funeral home, can you? Not so much at the funeral home. I'd say it's more after hours type of thing. But uh, Give me a prank. Over the phone, and which, too bad, caller ID ruined a lot of my gig uh, because now they, they know, you know, just different family members. I mean, my poor grandma used to play a few pranks on her. I told her one time that because uh, she had called me and said that, that this death had happened, and I already knew it had happened. And so she, she didn't realize I already knew. But anyway, long story. But uh, I said to her, she thought I was the man at the hospital calling. And I said, oh, no, um, Mrs. Fry, I'm, I, it's amazing. The man, I went to check on him, and he's actually walking in his room. And my grandma didn't uh, skip a beat, and she said, well, bless his heart. Well, I am I am thankful for that. I'm just, you know, uh, if you, you know, new that type of thing. But Bless his heart. So finally, I, I just had to quit because it just would rattle her, and she'd go, canning, da-da-da. But if you knew, again, if you... If you met my father, you met my relatives in Oklahoma, that's constantly what they do is joke and prank. And that it just that's part of my DNA. Who now? My name is Steve Ramsey. Hey, Steve. I've been a friend of Ken Summers uh, since we're, he was 16 and I was 15. Uh, we met in high school. Um, he had just lost his father. I lost my mother. We were kind of bonded over that. Uh, we were instantly friends. Steve Ramsey, tell me a personal memory about Ken. We were also in band, played some sports, and Kenny had a a 1973 Roadrunner. That was extremely fast, and there's a few things that we did. Neither one of us should probably be here now, and I'm not going to tell some of those stories. (laughs) The best thing about Ken is his uh, loyalty um, to to family. Uh, He's a great husband. And he's a loyal friend. And uh, if I've ever needed him, which I have in a few times, uh, he's been there in a second. There's never been a question. The great thing about him is if, uh, that uh, the way it makes me feel is that if either one of my kids uh, needed him, uh, him or Lynn would be there in a second. And it's that's one of the best feelings that, a friend and a father can have. When we first met uh, my dad and my little brother in high school, one of the big deals for me was meeting Ken's family. His grandmother, his mother, his aunts, his uncles, cousins, everybody, whenever we would do anything or go anywhere, they would all be there. And the way his mother, Sandra, took me in during those times and, uh, and the family, I'll always be extremely grateful. Best friend, quality person. I think it was meant for him and I. He was a class behind me. I'm not really sure. He lived right up the road. Okay, yeah. I live on gotcha. Southland here. But I really don't know how we first started kind of hanging. But he, I remember one night, he, we called called each other up, said, hey, you want to go? I just got my car. He wanted to ride in my car. 
Well, what he didn't tell me is dad was very strong disciplinary man. And you got to remember, you know, he didn't have a mother at home. So the dad was the mom and dad. Sure. So that's a little different than if the father dies. Yes. And the mom takes it on. Dad was a very strong, you know, ex-military man. And I I respected him totally just the few times I met him to that point. Again, we weren't, hadn't been friends that long. So what he failed to tell me, you know, no, no, pagers no cell phones and so on that his dad said he had to be home at 10 well i didn't get over there till eight we go over to a girl's house and it honestly was very innocent they we just started talking watching movies we were doing things my mom was always cool as long as i called her or i said where i was at well he didn't tell me any of this he's supposed to be home at 10 o'clock so we literally pull in to the mobile home park and here comes his dad boy coming coming from the trailer and i thought I'm a dead man because the part I left out, I was letting Steve drive. Steve was only 15. I let him drive for the girls. I, I just oh, kid. No. I said, do you want to drive? Because he kept saying, oh, this is such a cool car. I said, you want to drive? He goes, oh, yeah. I mean, I knew he didn't have his license, oh, but no. his dad was already pretty mad. But he even once he saw, he pulled Steve out of the car, and, and he got about two inches from my face. And, you know, it, it's it's really... I, I came home, just kind of shaking my head. I thought, how can he be that upset? Didn't he? I'm sure he called him and told him. So I found out the next day. I said, why was your dad? Well, I didn't tell you, but I was supposed to be home at 10 o'clock. But from the, from those days forward, you know, him and I, uh, through our families and so on, you know, he's been just an unbelievable. He's the true definition of it. And he talks about me being loyal and so on. He's exactly the same way and probably even more. Uh, he's the one guy that I can call and do call when I've had really tough things in my life. He's he's the first guy that I call. And, and uh, what he said about me, I, he's exactly the same way. Is there something you'd like to say, Steve, to uh, Ken while I've got him here? To end this, I, you know, you asked me, uh, tell him something that you hadn't asked me. I think, uh, I think Kenny's heroes were uh, his dad, uh, of course, his mother, and uh, his grandmother. His grandmother was one exceptional person. Uh, and I think uh, she helped teach him the business. I think she helped teach him uh, the work ethics. I'd, I'd see her work until 11, 12 o'clock at night. Kenny and I used to go by the, the mortuary and, and see her at those times, and she was still working. Uh, I think he's, been, he's done a hell of a job, uh, and I'm very proud to be able to do this uh, interview and very proud of him and uh, he'll always be uh, one of my best friends or the best friend I'm sorry Um, and I love you and our family loves you hello my name is Charlotte Ortiz I am one of the arrangers at PL Fry and Son Funeral Home I've been employed there for about 20 years I'm also Ken's second cousin our grandmothers are sisters I never knew that yeah i thought oh you got charlie you know she's a good looker this is a perfect person <laughs> you're related on top of that all you good looking folks stick together don't you all the same family family into the good looks yeah she started you know just simply part-time and something else i'll say is everybody that works for me literally everybody that works for me started with me part-time because do you like this do we like you do you fit and there's been some people that haven't it's not for everyone as they say but charla just really started with with her personality and everybody knows her her work ethic she has the fry work ethic i mean she is she'll get up just like a prize fighter i mean she'll be i'll see her you know just so busy and then boom that next family comes in and she just lights up again it's like here we go what can i do for this family but 
Charlotte started out as part-time, had a, a baby in between, and then came back, and we needed an arranger kind of filled in. But, you know, it's just mind-blowing that it's, I think it's actually been 21 years now that, that she's been with us. So I know Ken through the funeral home. Our families were pretty large growing up, so we didn't have your typical relationship with Easter's and Christmases. I believe I only met him one other time before my first interview. So our relationship is more so first boss employee and second family. You got so many relatives that this one says that eh, we're Boston, Boston employee first, not, not cousins first. Yeah. Most people would tell you the opposite. She yeah. had the chance to set that straight. She said that straight. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think we did. We started out and that's what I've tried to do. And I let people know that maybe that we are related, but cause that's the way my grandma treated me. I mean, she, her expectations, I'm sure were even higher for me than, than normal. But you know, there were times I kind of scratched my head, like, how can my grandma be so lovingly and give me nice birthday presents, <laughs> but I got to work and you know, she's, but I realized, you know, it, it's something that you have to be brutally honest because it's, you know, we don't just practice with families or practice how to get, you You really only have one chance to make it right the first time. And That's so right. It's like a wedding. A wedding you have to put together a lot of times in four or five, six days, right. which most, I mean, I'm not comparing it to maybe all the details. How you know, quick now. can somebody get in the ground? Well, we have some cultures that prefer, you know, as soon oh. as possible. Most of the time it really antiquates to doctor signature, get on the death certificate, uh, to get the stuff filed with the state, it permits and so on. That's what really takes the time. I would say probably the soonest nowadays is probably three to four days. Most people though now, I would say it's it's almost like a week turnaround. It's a little bit longer. There's a little more details now. A little more planning, it seems. Yeah. People. And people, as much as I'm born and raised here in mm. Manteca, a lot of people have moved on. You know, their kids are away, whatever. They have to wait till they fly in and this type of thing. So right. they want that extra time and so it's not unusual at all to go a week or 10 days before we end up with the service i think besides the normal losing maybe a child or a spouse what ken is most afraid of is reputation not only his reputation but the reputation of the company because every employee represents the company no matter what you're doing if you're at a community event if you're on social media if you're on vacation we are the face of the company we represent the company so what we say and what we do reflects on how he runs the business it reflects on maybe what his grandmother built it's almost every day that he talks about how his grandmother carried herself and how she was so successful and a lot of that was community outreach and reputation and trust and honesty so i think really what he's most afraid of is reputations because he's constantly talking about it everybody said the same thing i've got so many hits on everybody here that i didn't play but you say you know the, the thing i'm i'm most scared of is you know things not going right right and not on the money each time are perfect and they all said that yeah everybody because my grandma used to say which is so true you know your reputation takes years to build it takes one day right. to, to have Take it all it crumbling out. down right. so it's um and then i i felt you know especially after my grandma became ill and you know as i kind of took over where i was the face of the business so to speak you know, there's huge shoes to fill there. And I always, it was like, I wanted, I wanted to work harder to show people that we are still the place to come. We are going to take care of you just like when grandma Fry was here. So that's why, her, you know, my grandparents picture you, my grandpa is because it's, these are all things that uh, have helped me to where I am today. 
specific memories that we have or that I have of Ken over the last 20 years is a, a bazillion. You know, I can't give you specifics as far as family names or a description of a family that, you know, we remember because there's a lot. But, you know, the best part of the memories is his funniness, his wittiness, his his way that we believe him when he pranks us. And, you know, we turn around and, and prank it right back to him. And I think he really knows that we have to have a balance um, with laughter and being funny and being silly because every day there's something traumatic and every day there's something sad. But we we enjoy that part of Ken. Just recently, we had this um, homeless lady. She was raking our our dirt and I mean I think she was homeless and she was trimming our trees with some scissors or something and uh, she told Ken that she was our gardener you know Ken took her very seriously and told her that we already have one and um, the thing is is Ken didn't get all uptight about it we laugh about it we laugh about it to this day there's just so many so many little things that you know Ken does that is quirky and just witty well, I, I think that's Charlotte's point. I, I think that... You didn't it, lose your style. I would have said something different. I, I want all my employees, including to, to be themselves. To, not like when somebody walks in, you're like, oh, I'm a funeral director. I'm this. I'm, and I, I do this. Is that we're human beings first and compassionate people. I think that laughter at the appropriate time and so on, because Charlotte's correct. I mean, if you are constantly under the stress of right. things, because there are just some horrible things that no matter what, obviously children is above all. I mean, you can, the tone of the funeral home from day to day is completely different when we don't have a child there. And luckily and thankfully, I don't think I could do it or my staff. Thankfully, that's not as often, but when it does, it really impacts you know, our, our staff. My name is Alma Ochoa and I am a funeral arranger at PL Fry and Son. I met Ken when I was 17 years old while I was working at Manteca Floral. I would deliver flowers alongside my boss at the time, which is Richard Bagata. What kind of guy is he, Alma? What kind of guy is Ken? He's traditional, respectful, very protective, definitely a man of his word but he can make you laugh and he's such a great storyteller. He's fair. He's very fair. He would never make you do something that he hasn't already done. If we work long hours, he's there right by your side. He's the first one to get here every day to make sure that everything looks absolutely perfect. And for that, I am very thankful. Got something funny you like to tell me about him? A great personal memory, which ties in because we spend so much time at work that everything is jumbled because we are one big family. I remember Ken has this thing about people walking in our in our parking lot, which is fine. You know, people come in and, you know, it's like a shortcut. So we see these guys, you know, passing by and they decide to walk around the building towards the back. No one's allowed back there. You know, Ken doesn't like people walking. That goes into the overprotective part. And he keeps on looking at them. And I look up at the cameras and I'm like, oh boy, Ken's not going to be happy about this. He's not going <laughs> to like this at all. So I look up and I look up at the camera and I'm like, oh my gosh, Ken dashed out the back door. What am I going to do? So I'm looking, I go, oh my gosh, 
Ken's going to fight these guys. What's he doing? You know, he doesn't. So I ran out there. You know, if it's Ken's game, I'm game too. So I ran out another door. I don't know what I was expecting to do is to help him out or whatever, whatever it was. Anyways, he's so protective over this building and over all of our, all of the employees that he wants to make sure that none of us get hurt. And, and he's, he just wants to make sure that, you know, no one's goofing around around the building. So that's one of the, the funniest and most memorable moments that I have with him. You have to understand that's not a business we just show up every day that is our home away from home and of course i've been going there since i was a young guy and i knew how hard my grandparents worked just to even have that building you know the upkeep and any any owner of a business can tell you that you know it's not easy these days and and if there's somebody there to you know paint graffiti or or whatever it may be i always want to know what's going on and i just feel a huge responsibility particularly with the amount of ladies I have working there that sure. that their families know that I kind of have their back when they're at work. I feel, you know, if the captain of the ship, I'm the one that if he's going to go down, it might be me, but I, I got to at least check it out. Tell me something I don't know about Ken. I know many people may know that um, Ken sung and he had the Kenny Summers band, but one thing that always impresses me of him is that he can sing to almost every single song oh. and um, even some rap songs. I think it's the funniest oh. thing that we pass by his office sometimes and he's playing the craziest music. And there's there's times where I'm hearing Spanish music come out of his office, and I go in there and I go, "What are you yeah. listening to?" He goes, "Oh, I'm I'm listening to uh, Pepe Aguilar's new new song," <laughs> and I'm like, "Ken." Pepe Aguilar. Pepe Aguilar sings in Spanish. You don't even understand what they're saying. And he goes, no, Emma, it's the music. It's the music. And I think it's the funniest thing because he carries music in his blood. That man, anything, anything. And he's he's our official DJ here at the funeral home. I mean, he downloads all our music and he stays up to date. He knows all the artists. He knows every, everything. <laughs> you're a band geek. Did she forget yeah. you're a band geek? It, it doesn't exactly. have to be in English. Huh? You're not listening to the words. It's what's going on the back you know i i back i even look in high school i was that weird guy that I, i'd have eddie money blasting i would put in peter frampton but then i would also honestly have an eight track of d martin's greatest hits sure. right behind it there's about music that the emotion that makes you feel just relaxes me so i mean there's really not to me genres i mean there's yeah i'm more of a country guy now and that type of thing but it's just amazing what music does for me and and it doesn't matter that I, I don't understand the language it is the feeling of the song see where i burn all the music for the families for their tributes and so on i have itunes i go through and i'll go well this guy you know so i'll keep that i'll burn it i'll bring it home and then lynn and i will go out to dinner i go i want you to hear some music and yeah sometimes she's like really you like this huh and i'm like yeah there's something about it but songs i've never heard of see i wouldn't have had the exposure to do it but that's what she's alluding to i yeah, what I'm, rap song would you be playing? Do you even remember? What's what? Oh my god! Drop it like it's hot, or oh. something. You know, a little bit of Snoop Dogg, I guess. And uh, uh, what's that song? Uh, I'm gonna make years you older lose than me. my mind up in here, up, up in here. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'll go but, make me lose uh, my mind. But I was so naive, and and I guess where I'm a little bit older. I had no idea about that. The songs I was listening to on the radio and so on were bleeped out. And oh, then I would no. play the original versions. Oh. And I'm like, uh -oh. that, they can't be 
just saying that that that's got to be illegal to have words like that no, out there no, and, no. and some of these songs had a lot of bleeps in them after i listened to them more but it, it is something about the the beat uh, the sound well you got to turn up once in a while when you work yeah. at funeral home and everybody needs to turn up lock the door yeah. turn it up for a minute then go and lock the door let people in they can't come in and here drop it like because we hot. we play i mean songs that you would probably never believe at funerals yes i, I mean it. things now there's really nothing off the board but to this day because i know my grandma would be the same way we do not allow explicit music it, it has to have a clean version sure. and we've kind of had disagreements with families and uh i tell them no that's just something i'm not going to give up it's that tradition of us being we feel like we're as an extension of a church in that type of setting sure. that i don't i mean there's some pretty rough songs sometimes but i don't i don't allow that uh the explicit tell me something you like to say to ken ken has no idea the the impact that he has made on so many lives here at the funeral home and you know i've gotten to know ken not so much um through him yes through him through his family but mostly through the people that know him through the families that i have met with um that know ken they have the most amazing stories and if i can if i can put all of the stories that i know of ken summers in a book i would have volumes and volumes of stories to tell from all of the stories that i have heard you know over the years of ken kenny summers um but most of all is that i want to add is as a as a mom and as a mom of three sons is who I admire. I mean, I admire Ken so much, but I admire so much is is Sandra, his mom. And I, I hope that she knows and he knows that he raised a great man. And when I see that, I hope that one day I could be that, you know, that I could raise my son the way that Sandra raised her son. Because I know a lot of it was on her own and she did such a wonderful job. And I mean, when I I talk about standards it's not just standards out of work it's standards as a man it's standards as a you know a friend in in every which way because because ken is a wonderful friend a wonderful husband to his wife a wonderful father to his children and now a wonderful grandpa to his grandchildren that he's he's on top level for me you know absolutely and and i mean i always kid around that we're going to be the last people here at the funeral home it'll be me charla ken and you know hopefully everybody sticks around because to us you know this is my family this is this is my second family thanks alma my name is pastor bill barnett yeah and i am recently retired i currently serve as a chaplain for the san joaquin county sheriff's department as well as for P.L. Fry. I first met Ken as a pastor doing services for those in my congregation. It turned into a friendship, and then I began doing services for those who didn't have a pastor, as well as working as an attendant as he needed me. And that started nearly 19 years ago. Does he have a certain love, Bill? Ken loves his family. He's proud of his family's history in Manteca. Uh, He has a deep network of many people. He seems to know everybody who walks through the door, but he loves his family. Everybody loves their family. You seem to know everybody that comes in the door. That's the greatest part about my job. And again, it's a lot of times on a sad situation, but it's relationships. And I come from a big family and uh, look, Again, you know my mom and relationships and friendships, even though, I mean, I still have friends from grammar school that, you know, if I see them, it's not just, hey, an occasional, hi, how you doing? It's 
I, I really, again, I take a huge amount of responsibility when they choose our funeral home. And, and you may say, well, who else are they going to go to? Well, there's people, again, that have moved. We've had people move out of town and still have their loved one brought to us from out of town because of P.L. Fry, and then they want to come through us. So I generally just want to show them that it's it's a, almost like a family member to them. I'm going to take care of them just like it was. And because uh, I know how valuable that is after you know losing my dad and so on, that to have people in your corner to, to help you get through the process. Bill, tell me something between you guys. During difficult periods in my life, Ken was one I could talk with. And not only did he listen, he did whatever he could to help. It was on a much deeper level than just an acquaintance. You're a counselor of sorts to somebody that's talking to the Lord. Mm. He come to you to get some. Yeah, he's he's helped me out again. Just like Steve Ramsey, what they're saying is just greatly appreciated, but they've helped me out just as much or more. But Bill is probably the easiest man in the world to talk to. You know, we've gotten to know each other. And, and again, if I needed someone on on that level, Bill would be the first guy I would call. Leadership isn't always easy. Leading staff while in a business that truly is people-centered, when those people are facing difficult times can be emotionally taxing and charged. Ken isn't impulsive. He's very thoughtful. As a pastor, I've dealt with various funeral homes. Unfortunately, some are only concerned with the perception of care. However, Ken demonstrates and he models true care. Like Steve said, we would go by there at midnight here. My grandma would still be working. So we went through the back and Steve's eyes were big as silver dollars because he'd never been in a funeral home, let alone going back to the prep area. So we go back and, and at that time they were very busy. And I'll try to cut this short, but my grandma was back there doing the hair and cosmetics and so on. So she was brushing a lady's hair, uh, deceased, and Steve wouldn't come in. He just stood at the door, and I kept looking back. As, you know, Steve's a big football player guy, tough guy and everything. And, of course, I was pretty comfortable. I was being a little cocky and just like, hey, I'm used to this. You know, it's no big deal. So I happened to look down at a, a man there, and I just looked at my grandma, and, and she was brushing the hair, and I said, Hey, Grandma, uh, how did this dude die right here? She said, what was that? And I said, how did this dude die? All of a sudden, she stopped brushing. She walked over to, now I'm 17, 18 years old. Steve's, you know, you're younger than me, still at the door. Sticks the brush up to my nose and says, don't you ever, ever come back here and call someone dude. Which I didn't, I thought that was a cool term. I didn't think it was a bad word, but... To her, disrespecting the deceased is just as bad as disrespecting the family right in front of their face. So it taught me a lot about my grandma. She wasn't just lip service. It was something that not only did she emulate and show and model, and that's the same way of what we feel at PL Fry is that if you notice my landscaping, everything is to the T. I just think what you see and what you, what you what happens as families are walking, is that perception, what you're talking about. But I learned at an early age, and that's why I knew how serious of a business and how serious that my grandma took this. It wasn't just, you know, a job and a business to put food on the table. This was her life's work. And that's what I think took me a while to get there that I realized that this, I, I, when I made a commitment, it was going to be 100%. Ken's serious about business, but is quick to laugh. We've laughed about him playing the trumpet in a band that's when he had more hair, and recently Whoa. picking up a guitar to learn uh, to play. Our bond is deep. We both are fans of Oklahoma football. Go Sooners. 
Exactly. Bill and I have, have been through some hairy things together, you know, with with family situations and so on. But And we've had some wonderful pastors through the years that help us out when a family doesn't really have a church home. They're, you know, not being judgmental at all, but a lot of times they don't really have church life in their home. But then when there's a death that suddenly occurs, then they, they need someone there. And then so they're kind of looking for us for guidance. He was uh, a Calvary church and so on. Okay. And, but uh, he is so non-judgmental. We can put him with any family, any background, and without sounding phony whatsoever, he makes sure that the the family that's attending and, and the friends attending the service, he's the voice of the family that the family's not able to do, and how he can come up and, again, use some laughter even in, in the services. We just always hope and pray when we have a family that doesn't have a pastor of their own that bills available because obviously he has a life outside of PL Fry. But uh, talk about keeping your blood pressure down, the stress level down. When we know that Bill's doing a service, we don't worry about a thing because we know the family's in the best hands they can possibly be. A funeral home story that sticks out. It wow. could be. It could be grandma. It could be. It doesn't have to be you. But is there something yeah. that? people might chuckle and go, you know. I know you remember when you called me. I mean, one of the first things I said that this has to be perfect because my grandma, I, I remember first time that E15 came to town and, and uh, she said, where are you going? I said, because I knew she may not feel real comfortable with it because she always said she never wanted, you know, people would call to borrow a coffin for a Halloween thing or whatever. I mean, she just took the business so seriously that, that it was nothing to joke around with far as the, you know, people that pass and so on. But sure. I was leaving for the E15 thing and she stopped me. She goes, where are you going? Like she was confused. Like she knew she didn't have a service. And I said, Oh, well there's a high school drunk driving program that, Oh no, honey. No, 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 no. I don't want, these are only to be used for funerals and so on. So finally just kept talking to her and talking to her. I said, you know what, if it doesn't work out, I'll, I'll never do it again, but I've already committed to this. And she said, well, all right, but I, I don't really like the idea. So when I came back, you know, there's dirt on the tires because we had to drive around the Mantic High track. If you remember back in the day, you know, sure, it's muddy. revolutionized so much yeah, now right. with services. And, and I got to give, you know, uh, you know, Charlotte is really, she's on the board there at E15 and going from, from those days to now, uh, the impact that, you know, it's not only us, it's just the whole group that puts that on, but I think when she found out that it, that it was, but uh, just she was just very didn't want to be, um, did not want any jokes or you know you you can have humor, but, but this ain't funny. But yeah, not poking fun of hey, did you see that guy? You know that type of thing. She she really really respect the business, and I saw that you know again behind closed doors just. Me and Steve Ram, I mean, that, that wasn't the only time, too, is that I seen her. It wasn't just, you know, lip service. It, it was it was actually her actions that showed me early on that uh, this is a serious job and you have a lot of responsibility. Families are entrusting their loved ones to you. Is there anything you'd like to tell people that have not prepared for their final days as a funeral home operator? What would you tell people? What kind of ducks do they need in a row mm -hmm. what, what should you do to be rather than last minuting what what should people do i think it's just a great gift it's called pre-arranging your funeral uh 
And yes, you can fund it. You can take care of the charges. They're locked in. They don't go up and that type of thing. That's a, that's a good advantage um, for down the road. I mean, no matter how many years you live past that, you know, we guarantee our product along with a, a banking type of uh, spot that's, uh, that, that holds everything together. Because by law, you know, PL Fry can't take that money and hold that money. They do it to, to protect the consumer that, um, that way their money is safe. If a funeral home would ever go out of business and so on, there would be that money that was there for them. But more importantly, uh, the benefit is just the pre-planning between husband and wife sometimes. You'd be surprised. And I'll be honest, my wife and I, we kind of joke sometimes that we probably need to talk about our last wishes more than we do. You know, again, we, we're around it all the time and that type of thing. But I think I know, but... Uh, you know, I just think this way it kind of helps bring that conversation. Each one has their own plan. It may be totally different when the other one uh, thought of. And then the trickle-down effect, the best gift is when a family comes in, mom has passed away, dad's passed away, and I, you know, we open that file. This is what mom chose. It's almost like a thousand tons of, has lifted off their shoulder. Yes, they're still grieving. They still are sad. But the challenge, you know, again, about letting people down, I mean, most people don't want to let their parents down. This, it says... Pretty much to the T. I mean, some are more detailed than others. Sure. You may not always agree with it. Like I told the kids, you know, you maybe didn't agree with, you know, mom picked that casket. Oh, really? Or she wanted cremation. See, that's something she never said. But it alleviates the guilt. Real quick, my my wife's, both of her parents did prearrangements. My wife lost her dad probably three years ago, four years ago now. I think some of her family thought, oh gosh, you know, Ken runs a funeral home. Why we? Why did you guys ever do prearrangements? I went to the home, opened that file, and they just, their mouths were almost open listening to all the details. And even my mother-in-law said, I didn't remember a lot of this. I'm so glad you have it all down. And from that day forward, they were just saying they were amazed on, on how, and, you know, and I work in the business that uh, they knew I'd be there for them. And it just alleviated all the, you know, guessing game. What do you think? I don't know. I didn't see that. It's a great gift above all. Even if you don't fund it, if you don't want to financially take care of it, we create a file and the file is always there. And they know that this is mom's wishes. This is dad's wishes. What would you like to say to the people of Antica? A big thank you for always standing by us. We don't take our job uh, lightly. We know that you're entrusting your loved ones with us, as I said before. But Manteca has been so good to us. That's why I always try to be so good to Manteca. Uh, it goes back to my grandma's days. There's a lot of things, you know, she do donated. If you go behind a lot of the podiums here at churches, you know, where the past, there'll be a little plaque on the back because she never wanted to boast, oh, you know, Miss Fry bought that or, you know, like she's just throwing money around. She even told them they didn't even have to put her name on it, but she would want to buy some. She's some of the signs and so on, like for the, the churches and so on. She took care of that. Nobody ever knew about these relationships that I think all the generations before me that we've had, and it continues with me, and it continues, you know, even with my children, my wife's family, thanking them for entrusting us. And I want to be as perfect as we can at the end that we can say at the end that they said, you know what, this process, you made it so much easier. We can't take that hurt. We can't take the pain. That is all going to be there. But I think uh, walking them kind of over the bridge, 
getting to the other side is kind of the first step that we can do for them to go on a positive route. Everybody's route is different, though. My mom is in hospice. They do these bereavement classes. That's been very successful. I think how a nurse feels, how does a firefighter, you know, that you yeah, know. You're serving. Yes. I mean, you, you, you accept that role and you don't punch a clock. You don't, you know, hey, I, I'm out of here. And obviously there's times we need to be gone and, and, and health-wise and so on, we need to be out. We need to take care of our own families and, and we have commitments and so on. But we, and I'll just brag about our firm all of my employees are the same way. I have amazing employees that, like Alma said, and you know, we're like a family. We really are um, because we're together so many. There's, I'm sure, weeks we're together a lot more than with our own family. As sometimes we have back-to-back services, day, night, that type of thing. Calling at home. There's something in our DNA, and that's with everybody that works there. I can honestly say, has that in their DNA of, of being a servant. Anything you'd like to ask me? Well, no, you had mentioned earlier about, I've been kind of wondering what you've been doing. You know, when you called me, I thought, what radio station is, is Aaron on now? And I know I run into your breakfast or dinner once in a while. And, uh, hey, Randy. Oh, she's not, he, uh, he's Aaron. You know, I mean, I always feel like, hey, Ken, don't you know my real name? You know, type of thing. But uh, I... Uh, I'm just glad to see again. I've always been proud of you, not just because you're sitting here again. Just, I really am proud of people that do what their heart desires them to do. Um, but I, I always admire that about you. I really truly have. I don't get out too much. So if you do see me out in public, I'm, I'm probably going for a meal. Yep. I'm not one to radio puts you, you know, I can be an extrovert at the flip of a switch, mm-hmm. but most of these guys that are in this business aren't on TV because a, they don't have the faces for it. B <laughs> more of an introvert than, you know, we'd like to admit to. No one wants to hire an introvert when you're on the radio. You know, it's just you in a room. It's a small room. Yeah. You're talking to a quarter million people at a time. If you're on cat country. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't get out much. I see you at funeral. I come out for funerals. Hey, right. there's Ken. Right. You know, someone sees me. Oh, there's Aaron. Yeah, I'm playing music. You're not seeing me out and about. And I think that's part of the the job does that. And now that I live out in the country, you know, I fence myself in. And uh, I don't have to worry about crazy listeners. Uh, I carry conceal because there's some crazy people that have decided to take focus on me. And one of, the, one of these guys was put away for... And uh, he got out, and he's right back at me on social media. It's constant. Mm-hmm. He comes at me electronically. He's on a Randy Bubba Black Facebook page, and he's so screwed up that he hasn't figured out that I'm Aaron Goodwin. It's pretty easy to figure out. But he ends up on this fan page, and all these direct messages come in at all times. I had hours and hours of audio of this crazy son of a bitch. And uh, so that'll put you back behind, you know. Yeah. You just don't want to have to deal with it. You don't know who knows you. Um. Emceeing the concert every year, 15, 18,000 people, and you're on the big screen as the host. Well, I don't know these people. Mm-hmm. They sure as heck know my face. Mm-hmm. Last thing you want to be is the cereal aisle, one thirty in the morning at the Safeway. You know, mm, let's get some. And someone rolls up, oh, hey, Randy. Well, I immediately know I don't know this person. Yeah. They're not calling me by name. Right. Right. So immediately, you, all right, it's not one you You're not looking at cereal. You're in your pajamas. Who knows you? 
you know, turn around and someone you don't know puts you in a spot, gets you in a little bit of a weird uh, hole. But mm. um, we, we called it quits at Cat Country in uh, about 2010. I took a couple years off and we started a station in Stockton, the LaRue's, KSTN, AM stations get beat up now by RF in the air, the frequencies. So mm. AMs travel in the ground, okay? And you can point them. So you're given a map, a coverage map of what you cover. Well, the advent of cell phones and all of this radio frequency, the RF that's traveling around now, slams AM radio down. But these owners have a business based around that stick that the government gave them. But the stick's not doing them any good if it's not covering the city of license. They start giving AM owners an FM stick that would equal the contour, FM's line of sight, AM's in the ground. They'll let you have an FM to cover whatever your AM was covering in its smallest pattern. So they gave KSTN a 250-watt, what we call a translator. It's a transmitter, but it's really a CB call. It's like a ham radio. Went down and put the 250-watt. He has a tower downtown in Stockton. So you've got real good building penetration with this new 250, Cat Country 50,000 watts. This is only 250 watts, but it can beat up Stockton mm. just downtown. It doesn't get outside. Coming this way, it has to be knolled at French Camp Road. Pointed it out east so we could get more country instead of pointing it west, right? Mm -hmm. We started that. We put on the bull. It's a new FM frequency in Stockton. We're fighting a giant that I built politically. Hard to fight the monster when they've got Nashville behind them, which... All those ties, we tried to fight them. I put up a good fight, but you're not going to win. Mm. I'd like to still be on the radio, but it's not in the cards. So we got the Manteca podcast. Thank you again for what you do for our city. And uh, thank you for the public service that you do for people that grieve, have to handle bereavement responsibilities. Would that be the right thing to say? Yes. You know, I, I think with every family, we, we take them very seriously when they come in and, and we try to do the best we can. And, you know, as they say, funerals can be very expensive, but our goal is to show you as much value and above all compassion, you know, at the end of the day. And um, again, I'm, I'm thankful for the staff I have and the, you have to have support at home. You know, you listen to my wife and so on. It's, there's late nights, there's weekends. And she is so selfless with that because she just knows that that's, what I do, I stay till the end most times. I mean, I'm getting older, so you know, there's times if I don't, I have my son there now, I have great people, so I'm not there as much me as I used to be. But the same token, it, it is a calling that you do because you know that yeah, you don't plan on working Monday through Friday because it's just never happens. So the show is called the Man About Town Podcast, Mantica, and my name is Aaron Goodwin, also known as Randy Bubba Black. I do it in order to set a time in history. You make sure you add our page, subscribe to our feed, share, tell a friend, find us exclusively on Anchor Podcast. I promise you a great guest every week for the next year. And I thank you for today's listen. The podcast is sole property of Aaron Goodwin. It may not be reproduced or distributed without written consent. All music used in the podcast is utilized and covered by fair rights usage. Mantikapodcast.com.